So the last episode we did, we talked about our ideas about having children, whether we want to have children, whether we think it's important to have children, how many children we want, adoption, family, like family planning, everything like that. Yeah. And now we want to bring in another perspective and ask questions and <laughs> know a, a couple who's a little bit ahead of us who you can tell us what it's like <laughs> to have a daughter, what it was like to be pregnant and have kids. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. My name is Faith. Um, I'm married to Jeremy. <laughs> we've been married for four years and we've got one daughter called Dumelo, which also means Faith. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. You're done? I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they normally say ladies speak more. <laughs> yeah, record, recordings are good. <laughs> I, know, I, I now know how to limit your talking. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say we're recording. <laughs> but we actually, we actually. <laughs> We actually grew up in the same church. Both our parents were in the same church. Mm-hmm. So we grew up in the same church. This guy did not know I existed, mm-hmm. although we shared the same friends. Um, yeah, but then he didn't know me. I actually used to have a crush on him when I was like 18 years old. But then, well, it died down along mm-hmm. the years. And then, but then we formally, rather, I formally introduced myself to him in 2013. That's the first time he knew this girl existed. But then, yeah, we grew up in the same church. Uh, we've known each other since 2013. We've been friends since then. Got married 2015. And here September we are. 19. You see, I know the date. Yes, you know the date. <laughs> September 19. When did you propose? <clears throat> mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it was before September. <laughs> I proposed before September. And we're so different, you know. You're, we're so different. Even the way he proposed, like, I'm still waiting on my engagement ring. <laughs> I'm hoping it will come soon. <laughs> Sooner rather than later. No, you know, I, I, th- I think the engagement ring is social pressure. Mm-hmm. She's she she seen she seen everyone going down on one knee on television and having the story of going down on one knee. So it's like she wants, but since she wanted, we'll I'll be the only one who gets an engagement ring we'll, after being married. We'll find, it's a nice we'll find, story. We'll, we'll, yeah, that's a good choice. We'll find, we'll find, we'll find a way to to do it. But I think she's pretty much said it, said it all. But about us not knowing each other, I just feel for me, I feel like. You know, you, you walk through the streets every day. You see yeah. you see different people. But because at that moment, there's no, there's no connection or anything common between you guys. You don't notice each other. Yeah. But the moment you meet someone who's also into architecture or something, mm-hmm. suddenly you see that you start noticing that person everywhere. Mm-hmm. So for her... I guess when we're younger, we didn't have much in common. Maybe our friends, when we had, we shared a common setup, but just generally different. <laughs> right? Who knows? If I'd seen you earlier, maybe would would not be here. Yeah, maybe. So yeah. you should be happy. I should be. Like me, I'm happy. Me, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining too. Mm. Just want my engagement ring. <laughs> <laughs> Can come after. 
Yeah. Like um, vow renewal, right? Yes. Yeah. Renewal of vows. Yeah. I think, I think renewal of vows is the best thing you can ever do. Because now you understand. You what actually you're know what you're saying. <laughs> and you mean what For you're saying. At the wedding, you're kind of like, well, they're asking us to do this. I want to get married. So let me say. Yeah. <laughs> but now, you know, if you say in sickness and in health, You've you seen her I mean. sick and you know what it means? Yeah. yeah. But I'll add something. Yeah. In hormones and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> through all the soccer matches. <laughs> like you hear that? <laughs> now, it now it now makes sense. We like, now and you now even know why what you're vowing to. Mm-hmm. When you're saying through all your weaknesses, you are very clear mm-hmm. on what they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we should people should like couples generally should just have a vow renewal after after like first three years of marriage. Mm. So we can have ours next year, five years. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. yeah. we can do the whole white gown thing. We can just redo We it. said vow renewal. We didn't say wedding. We've <laughs> 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 been talking about having kids. But we can talk all we want, you know, but we don't actually have kids. So what do we know? <laughs> so better to ask a couple who's a little bit ahead of us. You can tell us about your daughter and how old she is and how she's changed your lives. <laughs> for better or for worse, maybe. <laughs> you want me to start? Yes. Then I can be short. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> right. Don't be short. So our daughter's name is Tumelo, Tumelo Hadassah Muzena. So Tumelo means faith in Setswana. But I grew up in Botswana as well. I always had a I have a bond. I have a bond with Botswana. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where Tumelo came from. And her name is Faith. So Tumelo is faith in Setswana. Mm-hmm. Hadassah came from the Book of Esther. Yeah. Royalty, queen. Sweet smelling perfume. So her name, she was just reflected a woman of faith. And someone said, a woman of faith with a royal touch. Yes. Dumelo Adasa. So she's two years, nine months now. And since she was born, it's just been an exciting experience. I think it's been it's been amazing. Um, from the two years we've We've been apart from her for a year. So we can say we've been in the same place with her probably a year. Because when she was born, after a couple of months, her mom had to move to China. So she lived, she's been living with her grandparents pretty much half, half her <laughs> life. But it's, you know, from the time we've, we've for me, as a, as, a, as a dad, it's been the most amazing time. Because even when she, when you can't see her, just knowing that there's someone who you're responsible for. Yeah. There's someone that you can call your own. Yeah, we can talk about the fears. We can talk about the bills, the nappies, the uh, mm-hmm. milk, yeah. all those things. I mean, they're gen- the costs are real. Mm-hmm. But the, the costs can never really outweigh what it feels like just knowing you have when you see someone and you're like, this is, this is my child. Yeah. You feel like you can just do anything for them. You'll, and for me, it, it kind of like gives 
I feel it gives life meaning. Because when you're alone, you're just living for yourself. Whether you eat or don't eat, it's okay. Or you get married, you're not living for each other. But when you have a child, you're like, everything you're working for now, it's like you found someone to leave it to. It's like everything you're doing, it's not for them. We're married, we're doing things together, we're enjoying things, but we're not thinking of leaving for anyone. She always say, I want us to die together. I'm like, eh. <laughs> She's like, I, I don't want this thing where one dies and another remains. I'll be like, eh, eh, eh. please. <laughs> but it's like when you have a child, it's like everything about your life, what you're working for, why you wake up every day, mm-hmm. it kind of gives context to that because you're like there's this person that i now need to bring up to train and eventually leave to live their own life yeah so yeah hey i didn't carry it for nine months you know what i was about to say that (laughs) and then i was like "Hmm, what was the question (laughs) (laughs) it's possible (laughs) Please allow me to flex it a bit. <laughs> so I actually discovered that I was pregnant. Um, the first, I came to school August. That was 2016 when I started school here in China, August. We had been trying for a child for like two, three months because even before I was already on the pill. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped the pill and then it took some time for each two get out of my system. So we had been trying for like two, three months. So by the time I started school, like we had just gotten to a place where we're like, you know what, it's okay. Whenever the child will come, it's now okay. And then I come to school, China, I get here. I'm having these terrible cramps, these sicknesses. And then finally I decide to go and see a gyna. Actually, I did a test first. And then that's when I discovered I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. My first visit to the doctor, it was, can't really remember the month, but then they already said I was three months pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I then discovered I was not pregnant when I was now at school and he was back home in Zim. And then I think the first time he saw me pregnant was six months. So he has no idea what morning sickness is. The whole experience of the first trimester hormones, he has no experience at all. No wonder. I remember. get <laughs> but, but remember these, ho- these, home- these, these hormones the are under your control. And I think the only, the only thing that he felt the effect was the clinginess. Because even over the phone, I was always calling up to the extent that he was now like, if you if if it's not agent, don't call me. So I would call during lunch hour because I'm like it's lunch hour. You <laughs> should be free and after work. No, yeah. because you know, like if if you're if you're getting random calls anytime during the day, oh, especially the client, especially if it's not a, if it's not if it's like during work hours. If she then calls during the work time and it's like really important. Sometimes you could you could be you could think like maybe she just wants to say hi. I'll I'll call her back. But if you know that she only calls if I'm at work, she only calls this during my free time. Then the time she calls you outside of the free time, you know it's really important. 
So yeah. she was now calling every 15 minutes. What are you, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> most of the times I would be crying that I want to come home because uh. I was now feeling very homesick and you know being pregnant I was so I didn't have a lot of energy and I was staying in here alone mm. and as you can see this area doesn't really have a lot of restaurants so if I wanted to eat I'd have to cook and sometimes after cooking you no longer want to eat the food. Yeah. It was just I know that feeling. What do you mean you know that feeling <laughs> of, of having food and not not having the ability to eat it? <laughs> But then yeah. So by the time I was now staying with him that was like from six months until the baby was born. I was over all those funny crazy things even my moods I was now even more in control of them you see more I was in now control. eating everything <laughs> I had gotten back to eating everything and then um what adjustments did you have to do when I was pregnant with your child I like that what adjustments yeah like how she said there was a question mm-hmm. wow oh well sleeping it's nice <laughs> sleeping yeah i know i know i know I, i could not sleep alone like i was not this big p- pillow <laughs> that someone would always have the leg on top of <laughs> and you know you can't really push someone like, eh. <laughs> i think i think the sleeping was the biggest adjustment and just you become more you, you you are now like more cautious about someone everything that they're doing you kind of like is that good for the baby she's mm-hmm. eating anything is that good for it? mm-hmm. it's like you you now become baby focused everything you're doing yeah you can't even spend money because you're already thinking the baby's on the way we need <laughs> to be putting money aside mm-hmm. yeah so yeah and i actually noticed that because I remember after a visit with it, I used to like lying down on my back. And then after the visit, the guy now was like, no, you shouldn't. You should slip slide sideways. But then sometimes I couldn't be able to control it. He would make sure there's a pillow on the other side and then he's on the other side. <laughs> and there's no way I would end up being mm-hmm. on my back. Mm-hmm. And then pillow block. Yes, there's mm-hmm. a pillow, pillow block. But then yeah and then to me came she came at 36 weeks naturally um she was a 2.3 2.3 baby very small baby <laughs> but um I always say something when I was pregnant I would always say I'm a Hebrew woman you know in the bible the Hebrew women they were quick mm-hmm. to give birth and I never wanted to go through the stress of having to be like <laughs> the due date has passed the baby mm-hmm. hasn't come i do want to go through that so even like in what i would say i'd always be like i'm a hebrew woman people would be like are you ready for it are you ready for the natural birth the pain mm-hmm. of it and i'll just be like you know what i'm a hebrew woman mm-hmm. i'm a hebrew woman quick fast and that's actually what happened mm-hmm. she came exactly nine months 36 weeks Mm-hmm. But then the doctors they say normally kids should come like 
38. Yeah. yeah. She came on the dot. That baby popped out. Yeah. And like, she came naturally, knowing just meant nothing. And I think I was only in pain for three hours. Wow. And I thought the baby was dead. Like the way the the, the way that she just popped out. Because <laughs> like the nurse, the nurse, the nurse, the nurse, the nurse was on some. Um, so let's wait for the let's wait for your doctor. Can you wait for your doctor? She's like, no, 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 I can't wait. Okay, okay, this one, two, three, push. And I think she just pushed like twice and <laughs> I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, what's going on here? Wow. Have <laughs> you guys talked about it though? Up until the baby about started the crying. Delivery? The delivery. Uh, Natural C-section. Is he going to be there? Oh, good where question. will he be standing? Ooh, good question. Do where do you want to stand, love? You want to be As there and see everything? Stand on the side. On the side or like in front to see the baby's head. <laughs> 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 Jeremy says no, no. I'm a bodyguard on the side. <laughs> he was by the side. There was a time when the nurse was like, after the first push. Well, the first push, I didn't really do anything because my body was already pushing yeah. by itself. So the first time they were just like, okay, don't control it. If you feel like groaning, just let it be. Mm-hmm. So the first time I let it be. Mm-hmm. But then afterwards, they then asked me to breathe because there's a certain way that they ask you to breathe. Yeah. And this guy, I think I took time to react. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, breathe! <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but you know what? I, I feel, I think, I think, I think some, some, something that changed from, for me, like, apart from, I was one of those guys who was like, I want four, four kids, kids mm-hmm. five kids. But you know, when you, when you're there in the labor room you and you see everything. what the woman goes through to, to give birth, yeah. Yeah. it gives you an appreciation of what it means when, when you see her, mm-hmm. you kind of know because people we have a tendency of just saying, Oh my, I love my, my, my children. I'm in this relationship because yeah. of my kids. But if you see what the person who brought forth those kids goes through, you actually develop more of a respect for her mm. Mm. and an appreciation for her as much as you love and adore your kid. There's no way you can just look at the kid and be like, oh, my baby, mm-hmm. and then look at her as though she's she means nothing. Mm-hmm. So, like, my experience with that was just like, I came out and I was like, oh, you say you want two kids? Okay. That's okay. As many as you want, I'm okay with it. Because yeah. it's it's not it's not it's not easy. Yeah. It's not it's, it's not it's not it's not easy at all. And I always say if men were the ones to give birth, oof, would refuse to be pregnant. I think we'd be on family planning the rest of our lives. <laughs> because I mean it's it's amazing what, what women go through just to give birth to a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me that was I I understand Mother's Day now. Mm-hmm. Like Father, mm-hmm. father, Father's Day is good, mm-hmm. but uh, when we are celebrating Mother's Day, you're kind of like, mm, what these people went through. Not that men don't go through anything, because there's also the emotional and planning yeah. that you go through prior to the baby being born, making sure everything, the environment is conducive for your child. That That's also stressful in itself. So it's not to say men don't go through anything, but... That labor process. And it's risky. <laughs> it's risky. Some yes. people don't. Very risky. Some people don't come out alive. Yeah. Some, but 
I think something that something that she should just to mention something, knowing she's saying the Hebrew woman, it's our faith as well. Mm-hmm. You know, always, always knowing that we people just take it naturally. I'm going, I'm pregnant. I'm going to give birth. Yeah. I'm going to have my baby. But it's also very important to always, at every stage, just always be committing each stage to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just now, you find from the moment you hear you're pregnant, just to say, Father, we thank you for the child that is growing inside of, inside of us. Mm-hmm. Um, help us throughout this whole process. The food I'll eat, the air I'll breathe, everything that I'll do, mm-hmm. preserve both mother and child. Yeah. It's very important to involve God in that whole process. Mm-hmm. Even when the child is now born, when you're going through the labor, just because even with doctors, you know, doctors are humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there have been cases where after the baby is born, um, then you're supposed to cut off the umbilical cord. The umbilical cord. And in some cases, someone forgets or to remove, to remove the remove placenta. The placenta and the mom, the mother dies. Mm-hmm. So all those things are things that can happen, but it's always just good to commit the whole process to God and just to pray against any complication. And yeah, so that's that's something that, that we did. And she also did a lot mm-hmm. of praying and speaking to her child. I don't know if she did mention how she'll speak. Maybe you can tell them a bit more about how you'd speak to her while she was still in your womb. <laughs> I'll just be well. I'm not really much of a music, so my most of the times when I was pregnant, it was more of just prophesying mm. to her, like telling her what she's going to become, mm-hmm. the kind of woman that I want her to become. And then, yeah, sometimes I'll be like, "So, Daddy did this." Were you in the reports? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll give reports. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. No wonder she likes me so much. And then, <laughs> sometimes I'll even try to wake this guy up because she was really active during the night times, especially the kicking. And this guy would just wake up sometimes, but most times we'll just be like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she's a footballer. <laughs> 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 But then I did try the reading thing. It didn't work for me because mm. I don't like reading. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like reading. Like, But the father does love reading. But I'm not much of a reader. So for me, it was mainly just basically talking, praying together. And then once in a while, we'll sing. Mm. Once in a while, though. But then I would never listen to music because it was too much noise for me. Mm. But then, yeah, that's the child up to... The labor day. Now, after the labor, I actually discovered something that no one had told me. The first, I think I would say the first month after giving birth is the crucial month to the woman. They need to be, like for me, I was helped by the fact that I was surrounded with a lot of mothers, I would say, because like in our church, like, Every elderly woman is like your mom. Mm. So I did have my mom, but I also had my mom's friends. So they were like the mothers around me. So during the day when I'm tired, they could take the baby away so that I could have some peace time. 
But then I also noticed that I was, I was, I no longer wanted to go outside. Mm-hmm. I was stuck in the room. And what they did was they would send a little boy who used to stay there and then we'll be like, oh, sis, let's go outside. Let's just go outside for like two minutes. And later on, I actually discovered that had they not done that, I would probably have been depressed Mm -hmm. because the amount of pain that I experienced because I had stitches. Mm -hmm. So when you have stitches, breastfeeding, and it's breastfeeding for the first time, Mm -hmm. the pain becomes too much and they don't give you medicine for the pain. Mm -hmm. So the pain I was going through and in my mind, I'm just thinking, people are always saying joys of motherhood, like, Ways the joy, like mm-hmm. I'm in so much pain, mm-hmm. but the burden one was made lesser by the fact that I still had enough time to rest. Mm-hmm. So imagine the pain, and if I had been fatigued, and already I was now starting to close myself mm-hmm. just to be by myself. I was now trying not to interact with people, mm-hmm. but then they used this little boy because they noticed like whatever he would say, I'll be like. Ah. Okay, let's okay, just go. Fine. Let's just go. It's fine. So I feel like it's it's also something, you know, after giving birth, it's it someone needs to be surrounded by a lot. Not really a lot. One person can do it different. Their husband can do it different, but my husband was working and I personally decided to be at my parents' house so that I know when I'm at my parents' house. The house is clean. I don't have to be worried about cleaning. And then it also gives my back, because it takes about six months Mm -hmm. for the back to really properly heal. Mm -hmm. So during those six months, you can't really be cleaning the house. You can't be washing. You can't be doing things. And in our culture, if you have a baby, visitors will be coming Mm -hmm. almost every day. Mm -hmm. So at least if I'm in my mother's house, there are people who could clean. Take care of. Take care of the house. So I'm not worried that if visitors come, what am I going to do? The house house is so messy. My husband can understand Mm -hmm. if the house is messy because I'm like, you know, my back needs Mm -hmm. to be. But then when visitors come in, then now there's that whole pressure Mm -hmm. of all that. So that was my experience afterwards. But then, and then also I found it, it was so easy to, talk to someone like now I advise a lot of people who especially first time mothers look for a therapist look Mm -hmm. for someone to talk to because I think that depression is real Mm -hmm. like I slipped it but then I actually noticed the signs Mm -hmm. so even my friends who give birth I'm always like you know find someone to talk to Mm -hmm. you need get help you can't do everything alone you can't be figuring it out alone but then after three months you're now used to waking up two three times during the night Mm -hmm. yeah you're not used to sleeping during the day fortunately I wasn't working so I think if I was working it would probably be different but then I had five months yeah five full months with my child Mm-hmm. after bed and then after that I left mm-hmm. and came back here so when I left that's when we decided to stop breastfeeding because mm-hmm. I was not leaving and then now now it's like five months yeah that was it five that's months. when they start eating food either right yes mm-hmm. that's when they start eating food 
and oh, that's so when you I left and came back to China. Yes. Uh, then I came back alone. Mm-hmm. So at one month within the pregnancy, did you leave China to go home to six months? Oh, you left China six months. So I left in like mid January, and then I came back to China September. Hmm. So April I gave birth and then stayed with her, yeah. and then September I came back to school for like okay. two three months because December. I was flying back home. <laughs> and then the following year, February, that's when the whole family came to China. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here we are now. And here we are now. And here we are now. But kids, they... They're fun. But they really take up most, if not all, of your time because the amount of attention they demand is a lot of course it becomes less and lesser as they grow older but it's still a lot and even like now when i get into the shop h&m i'm heading to the baby section and i'm just like what am i going to get for my kid like that's just how they change it yeah but we're also conscious that, you know, in as much as this little creature is here, we shouldn't forget us. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't forget that, okay, at the end of the day, these kids, they come and go, right? They're going to get married, have their own families, and yeah. we're still stuck together. So we cannot forget each other while busy raising the kids or entertaining the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys thought of kids in relation to finance yes okay also all right let me go backward a little bit because you even asked questions that we didn't really answer thomas i don't know you choose whether you want to be on the side or in the front but we hope to deliver naturally that's my that's my hope i don't know i'm actually afraid more of an epidural than i am of the pain of birthing the child, but I don't know when it really happens, what will happen because I've heard a lot of women say it was too unbearable. That's why I got the epidural. They would have wanted to, you know, do it without that. But I'm hoping because the idea of, but I also know it changed in 2019 though. Cause when my mom described when she was having a baby, the epidural needle was like really long and they put it in your spine <laughs> and it was very painful. I've heard people say the epidural was more painful than giving the birth naturally because it's supposed to take away the you know the pain so of course it would be the more painful part i've also heard women say that breastfeeding was more painful painful than the delivery that's me yeah that's definitely Mm. so that's also a little bit scary for me but i also desire to breastfeed (laughs) so i don't know i'm just keeping my hopes before me but also a little bit open to other things, yeah. you know. However, it goes. The yeah. pain is it's it's manageable. Mm, that's like what I say. It. All you need. Why I was I kept saying you need people around you is just to distract you. Mm-hmm. Like my pain was more on the breastfeeding, mm-hmm. probably because I also had stitches. Mm-hmm. But the delivery, even the 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 contractions. Mm-hmm. Okay, I did have three hours of pain, mm-hmm. but then I think the level of pain I was expecting, 
and what I got, yeah, I was just like, huh. And the thing is, by the time I delivered the baby, the pain stopped. Mm-hmm. The minute my body started naturally pushing the baby, yeah, yeah. the pain stopped. Wow. So by the time they were asking me to push, I was not feeling anything. I was that not was like normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. I like what Jan said about, you know, committing everything to God mm-hmm. and praying about it. You guys yeah. have a lot of good things. Even the affirmation. I'm still in your affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> you can still in your It's powerful. And the thing is, people will say things that will try to scare you. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'd always be like, hmm. I'm a Hebrew woman. I got this. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, hey, you're saying this. And then the thing is, after I gave birth, huh? and then they discovered, oh, so your labor was actually quick and short. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they started saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because it's the first baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm. people will always have something to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think just to, just to add on to what she's saying, you know, I, I feel not, not to say that the process is not painful. Or the process is not difficult. But I feel sometimes as people, we always we always try and make things worse than they really are for the people behind us. If you look back when we were kids, you went to kindergarten, right? And you move on. And if you had an older brother and you're starting grade one, they'll be like, grade one is <laughs> the worst <laughs> You should stay in kindergarten, right? <laughs> you get to grade one, you're like, oh, yeah, things are difficult, but you move to grade two, but mm-hmm. they'll tell you grade three. Mm-hmm. Huh. Then now you get seven, high school. You, you won't make it to high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get to high school, it becomes university. Now you've graduated. They're like, marriage, marriage is the worst thing. It's <laughs> difficult. Marriage is not for small kids. Yeah. This is not to take away the fact that all these things have responsibilities and it takes work to help them. But people we sometimes make things seem worse than they really are. That's actually so true. So you find someone someone has got five kids and that person with five kids is telling you pregnancy is the worst. Mm -hmm. If it was that bad they probably would have stopped at one. (laughs) (laughs) But but you've got five and you're telling someone who's who's coming to you for advice (laughs) that it's difficult to handle pregnancy and you're scaring so I mean you're scaring this person from getting one but you have five mm-hmm. you're alive you're healthy yeah. you're not and I feel it's good to tell people the truth that the process is painful yeah and but you need you need to be able to find what works for you that different like you were talking about the different methods of giving but tell just give people information let's not describe stories or paint pictures that yeah. are because then someone can decide, you know what? If you're if you're pain averse, you become I'm not having kids. Yeah. Why? Because all the people I'm talking to are saying it's That's it's painful. So true. But those you're people right. count how many kids they have. <laughs> how many people just want to keep enduring pain? That's unbearable. <laughs> that is true. It is. That true. is very true. I I found that. So I stopped talking to widows, and. Um, men who had previously been in a relationship. I stopped mm-hmm. taking advice from them in my community when I was growing up because I noticed a subtle tone with them which was very negative about women. Oh. And it was it was opposite to the woman that I knew close to me, which was my mother. And 
when I heard men who had experienced divorce talk about women, I was like, that's not my mom. Look at how she's taking care of me. But the way they always represented women, their kind of woman, the woman that they experienced. And only God knows if they were telling the truth. <laughs> because it's always the other person and not us. <laughs> yeah. And the more I listen to um, widows and people like that talk about their marriages, the more I, f- I realized if I stay, the longer I stay with these people, the more I'm going to despise marriage. And who knows, the more I'm going to despise women. Yeah. And so it's, I, I like what you said. It's important to just give people the information, give people your experience, but don't draw a blanket statement for women. Yeah. Don't draw a blanket statement for children. Say if people from country, from Nigerian, from Zim, it's a Nigerian you experience. It's a Ghanaian you experience. It's a Zimbabwean you experience. So even if your experience is so sore to the point where the only thing you can see from it is pain, mm-hmm. paint a good picture of the experience and people will be able to tell. And perhaps you should look for other experiences, not only in yourself, but look for other experiences. Sometimes you can tell people, well, this is my experience, but actually my cousin had a different life and I don't know why mine didn't work out like that. (laughs) So it's not like I'm telling you this is the only option you have. I know this person who also went through it and they they don't share my experiences. So it's much more complex than just sitting here telling you, don't ever try. Like some men will say, don't get married. Marriage is the worst prison you would ever encounter. If you want to keep your freedom, stay single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I like, I like what you said. Information, yes, is key, but experience is defined. We, we shouldn't deprive people um, of their experiences too. And the information, they would also bring to the overall experience, yeah. to the body of um, um, knowledge that people would now look at and say, oh, okay, she did it and she has something different and all that. And I think also, like, if just picking up from what you're saying, it, it then moves on to us when you become a parent. We have experiences and we should always try and be careful not, not to pass our experiences to our kids as facts that mm. people people are like this maybe you were around a society where people were everyone was your neighbors were thieves or and then you you raise your kids to say don't play with neighbors neighbors are bad that's an experience you had but what you what we can train our children is you know what always always analyze people's characters mm-hmm. don't take don't take people at face value just because someone is a neighbor don't assume they're a good person yeah mm-hmm. just because they're a neighbor don't assume they're a bad person get to know people before coming up with a with a judgment mm-hmm. but we can say because we had bad neighbors don't play with neighbors neighbors yeah. are bad but our experience should then be turned into information that we give to our kids so if I had a bad experience at school, it's just to share that experience and say, this is what I went through, mm-hmm. but try and learn from this. 
Yeah. Be be more aware of it. Don't I'm not saying things will be the same for you as they were for me, but just be aware that things can be like this. Mm-hmm. And when they when they come out like that, just be ready. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we always tend to just pour our experiences to say this is what I went through, therefore everything else in life is going to be is like going that. is going is going to be like that. Yeah. She just the baby just popped like who would have known that the baby would just come out like just like that. Mm-hmm. But she cannot go to someone and say, if you if you if you give this information, <laughs> the baby will just <laughs> But it's just it's just to say, you know what, when your faith is built up, at the time of delivery, God will give you the strength for whatever period. Whether it's two hours, God will give you the strength. Whether it's five hours, God will give you the strength for that period. Because at the end of the day, everyone is going to have their own testimony. Something that you can always look back at and say, you know what, God helped me in this way. Yeah. You don't want to say, oh, God helped me to give birth like faith. I mean, God, God, God is so. I mean, everyone's everyone's, jealous, like, everyone's adventure is so. It's so unique. It's so. It's yeah. so personal. But we, like he was saying, we learn from people. We can pick and say, "Wow, oh, I, I would love something like that." Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's going to be yeah, cut and paste. You guys run a podcast. We, I mean, we can say, "Oh, it's nice. It's nice to have a talk show." But we can't just say, okay, we're not just going to cut and paste everything that you guys do. <laughs> we're not going to do it because, oh, we're not a better couple. We're not a good couple because we can't run a podcast together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just about learning. Get information from each other and apply that information to your setting. Mm-hmm. And the settings will always be different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, as I thought of the question you asked before about finances, which yeah. is a good question. And we didn't talk about that before, but... We talked about it personally. I mean, on the last podcast, we were talking about having kids. So, well, you know, I think for us, we don't want to play it too safe because it will deter us from having children. That's the honest truth. We don't want to feel like the finances need to be perfect. But like, for example, we are preparing to go home. We don't want to have the kid now. We don't even know what we're going to go home to. So get pregnant now, go home six months pregnant, have no idea what's going on, doesn't seem the wisest. Although if God gave us a child now, we would be happy. Um, So, but ideally he'll be applying for jobs. Even me, I'm going to apply for jobs, but I'm not desperate to have a job because I'm more interested in starting to have kids. So I'm praying that he'll be able to get a good job. <laughs> but I'm going to try because, you know, if I can get a job that's stable, doesn't have to pay a lot, but it's flexible because I'll, I'll just be direct. I want to have kids soon. So just for you to know that if you don't mind hiring me, let's go. Give me health care. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> so then I'll work. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll follow him wherever he wants to go. We're planning to just go home to um, my parents. Mm-hmm. at first and then leave as soon as possible <laughs> yeah, yeah so but if he were to get a job in another city for example if it's a good job and we won't go to my parents we'll just go wherever he can find work i'll just follow him there so yeah and he's been so diligent like working on his linkedin profile and just really increasing all his skills like i'm super not only proud of you, love, but also confident that you're going to get 
a great job <laughs> or that you're gonna be oh, successful one way or the other. Yeah, I just have no doubt that you're I think the reason why I asked was I actually noticed it's it's something that I thought of. Mm-hmm. Well, I was actually taught about. Mm-hmm. I actually hadn't thought of it. Like you know how normally we plan kids like, oh I wanna have two kids and you never really think of okay okay most people they think of it like okay i'm gonna space them two years one year mm-hmm. three years mm-hmm. but then do you then think as far as okay if i space them one year that means they'll probably be starting school around the same time yeah. and there is faith god to provide for all things mm-hmm. but then do you want to be under the pressure of paying two university fees Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. over a period of let's say six years maybe you have four kids and they're like two years apart that means maybe the first one will finish but then the other three kids will get a scholarship they'll be at (laughs) university at the same time like this is stuff i actually thought of yeah and i was like little child i'm sure you know the pressure (laughs) exactly so i i thought of it i'm like you know what i'm gonna space at least minimum three years Mm -hmm. the other one is studying university the other one is finishing Mm -hmm. i'm already trusting god to provide for the university fees Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but i don't want to be under the pressure of trusting god for two university fees at the same time Mm -hmm. that's that's just how I thought of it. Like the kids factor, the the spacing, the difference. And then you also, like Jeremy once actually mentioned it, the quality of education. Mm-hmm. You know, the more picky you are, the more expensive yeah. it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how you space. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like a lot of people end up compromising the quality of education that you want to give your kids or even the basic lifestyle mm-hmm. that you want to give your kids because of there are now too many mm-hmm. at the same mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and you're now like Whew, okay mm-hmm. um you know what kids i wanted to be like after you turn two years maybe we go for this holiday and stuff but now we have to maybe just wait a bit you know so like that kind of things i think of Almost, I try to think of everything. Mm. The spacing, quality of life, quality of education. And even in thinking of this, this is just laying a plan. And then I trust God to even provide for that because right now we can be planning it based on what we have. But then we trust God that even in the future we'll still have Mm -hmm. what we have because life is funny. This Mm -hmm. world... It's funny, yeah. things can just change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was just thinking like, you know, when you're talking about um, planning, like how you're going to move to the States. So you're kind of like thinking, can't really have kids now. You know, it's, it's always the way the mind works is kind of, I don't know, it's, it's unique. In the sense that you know when when you when you don't have when you don't have a picture of what you want to do, even your work ethic is different. But when you know that I need to do this, the way you do your things 
is different. Mm. So now probably the two of you and you're thinking, okay, no, you know what? We're just the two of us. When we get back home, what will it be like? But for example, say you found out that you were pregnant today. Mm -hmm. Your thinking changes from just the two of you. You're not thinking, okay, we're three of us. Even the way you communicate back home is not different. Mm -hmm. You're not saying, mom, so we're coming over with the baby. Mm -hmm. Is it, how can we make it work? Because I want, so you, you then find by the time you travel over, you've made plans now involving three people. Mm -hmm. But before that thought is there, you're kind of like, no, it can't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what, I think, I think what, what I'm really, what I'm learning is, you know, when um, people say spiritualizing things, I don't think it's really spiritualizing. But you know, when it, when it comes to faith, faith is not just a wish or a desire. Mm -hmm. Faith does not take away the element of planning. Mm -hmm. Faith yeah. does not take away. So planning is part of faith. Right. But it's also saying making a decision from a position of uh, confidence and not fear. Mm -hmm. Because whenever it's from a place of fear, I cannot have three children because I don't have money. Mm -hmm. That's now it coming from a place of fear. But it should always come from a position of love to say, you know, what? OK, what I would like she was saying, our desire is to give our children this this kind of education. Mm -hmm. So your, your, your spacing and your choice is coming from a place of love mm -hmm. and what you want to offer, not a place of fear or failing to offer. Mm -hmm. So if you make a decision because you're scared, if there are three, will I be able to? It's different from saying, no, I want two because I want to. Mm -hmm. One is more from a defensive perspective one is more proactive. Mm -hmm. And you can always answer for the, if someone says, why do you want two kids? No, we want two kids because this is our plan. And you mm -hmm. can say it confidently. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you want three kids, but you're saying you want two, if someone says, you can never confidently speak up for what you want because the decision is not based from what you want. It's mm -hmm. based actually from what you're scared of. Mm -hmm. And like what we were saying earlier on, there are people who've had one kid and have struggled. Mm -hmm. Good job, you know, but they've struggled with that one kid. There are some people who've had three kids and uh, things have worked out. Yeah. There are some who've had five. They have struggled with the five, but they've managed to go through. So mm -hmm. I think what's really important is for people to sit together as a couple and say, you know what, this is what we want. Mm -hmm. And Let's bring what we want before God. And, and you know, uh, I like when in the Bible, when he told, when uh, it was Joseph, when he was talking to Pharaoh, and he said, God will give you an answer of peace. Mm -hmm. You know, as children of God, we should never take away that element of God giving us an answer of peace. It's not just about praying God provide food. But, you know, you can actually be like, you know, so God, so we want kids and our we want five kids. But, you know, God, we're worried about how we're going to feed these kids. This is what we're scared of. Mm -hmm. um, we know you provide, but this is how we feel. So just guide us every day, even throughout this process, when, and always just order our steps. You get your first kid. As life goes on, you start, okay, Thomas, we had one. Things are like this. Are you ready for a second? Should we wait? 
So it's like it's like a constant. You take you you take a step, you move, you evaluate, you take your next step. Because not like you're just going to have what happens. Fine, um, God blesses you with. When they're four, what are they called? Quadruplets. Quadruplets. You've been saying you want one kid. God, I don't have money. I I just want one kid. And then you go you go you go for your ultrasound. Four kids. <laughs> so it's like I mean, there's a place we plan, yes, but we should yeah. always just be on that. You know what? When as we are moving through life, we we'll always sit back, evaluate, and always move with God to help us through. Mm-hmm. I think that it's not it's not as well to say we want four kids, so we have the first one. After three years, we can see okay, things are not really shaping up well, but because we said four kids. Let's have another one. Mm-hmm. If at that time things are not, it's always good to say, you know, I, um, I know we want another child, but let's wait a bit. Mm-hmm. Because you evaluate where you are and you make a decision. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's just a constant talking. Mm-hmm. I don't think people should talk and put things in stone. Mm-hmm. To say every two years a child cast in stone, throw away the key. <laughs> when you're approaching two years it's always a place to sit back have have we given the child we have enough, enough attention are we ready to bring in another one because sometimes you look back and you're like you know what there's still I feel we still need to do a, f- a bit more with the child we have mm-hmm. let's spend a bit more time with them mm-hmm. sometimes you're like oh no you know what we're ready mm-hmm. she's also proud your child is also asking me Mommy, um, you know, un- Uncle Jeremy has, has his daughter has a baby brother. Why don't I have a baby brother? <laughs> I used to ask my mom that. <laughs> Why don't I have a baby brother? Then you can see, okay, fine. So even for her, she's, she's also kind of like, I'm ready for a baby. I'm ready for a sibling. Yeah. And you are looking at yourself and you're like, yeah, you're we're sick. also ready. <laughs> they, so I think it's always just a process of always looking where you are. And yeah. Making a decision. Mm. Good advice. Yeah, it is. Really good. Because four kids is like that. <laughs> <laughs> you budgeted for one. <laughs> yeah. But kids are exciting. And I think on a side note, like kids, kids, kids do something to a marriage. It's like, it's like that water when you're thirsty. Not that in the marriage you're thirsty, but you know, you're just the two of you. And then that when you now have a child, it's like there's now someone that you share together. Someone that you look at and you're like, oh, that's, that's our person. Yeah. And I remember, I remember with, with Dumelo sometimes, um, you'll be having one of those days where they're not talking to each other. And she just walks and comes and sits here. <laughs> and and then she'll be sure she'll be taking my hand and she'll be pushing it pushing it to her face. Aww. So it's like you know, you know, it's like yes. you know, sometimes when you have an argument, it's always like, okay, who's going to start the conversation yeah. first? Yeah. <laughs> and this child comes and she's doing something funny in front of the two of you. You can't you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. So you start looking at each other and you start laughing. Look what your child is doing. <laughs> Even when you're on the phone, she could actually just come take your take phone. Take your phone. And then give to the next person. <laughs> so she would take the phone from me and give it to her. So it's like kids, they... Not, not that they diffuse 
<laughs> disagreements. But they, they're just that, um, it's like a cushion in a marriage. They just um, like a refreshing time that they just bring to, to the two of you. You start looking, you're like, is that our kid? <laughs> Sometimes you're just talking about them the whole time. Do you, do you see it? She started to walk. Yeah. And now your conversation has changed. So how can we help her do this? Huh? So it's, it's not just them, but they also do something to you as a, as a, as a couple. Mm. It's like your fire is about to die down. They're just coming. Mm. Yeah. Flame it up again. I like everything you're saying. Me too. Do you, do you think that people usually concentrate or focus too much on the responsibility that comes with having a child much more than um, like what you're describing, the what the child part. also brings to the marriage and to the home? So that's something I don't really hear, a hear lot. people talk about. Yeah. Like, okay, well, the child is a new member of the family. Just like each of us, they, they also bring in something to the marriage. Yeah. So what are they bringing? The fact that they can't communicate doesn't mean that um, they, are, they are not adding any value to the marriage. So that's something I don't really hear talked about often. I, I, I think our, our cult, from an African culture, okay, let me not say... I could be wrong, but generally, you know, like how I was talking about our parents having time to play with, with your kids. For me, I think being, having been here in China and spending a lot of time with, with her outside of the work environment helped me to notice some of these things. Because if you're in a work environment, you're constantly working, you're constantly preoccupied. So you never, you never, you never actually get to, to appreciate the laughter, the smiles, her throwing food back at you when you're trying to feed her and all, and all the things that they do because you're always preoccupied with responsibilities. But when you, when you, when you take a step back and, and say, yeah, even in the midst of all the responsibilities, let me take time to kind of enjoy this. That's when you begin to notice, oh, so you start having, you start seeing all these beautiful things the teeth growing. Some people miss all that. They're like, oh, she, she's got teeth? Mm-hmm. When, when did it happen? <laughs> her trying to feed herself. Her trying to feed herself, yeah. You yeah, always, you know, my phone, there's a time where my phone, you'd have to search through pictures to find yourself. Because <laughs> yeah. every single picture is just her. Pictures and videos. Big videos is just filled with, with, with her. And I think it's the, it's the same with, with marriage in, in, in a sense that, you know, sometimes you can really get caught up in the administration of marriage, the day-to-day administration, working, cooking, yeah. cleaning, mm-hmm. saving, that, and you forget you actually did not get married because you enjoyed working, cleaning, cooking. You got married because you enjoyed playing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But now you're spending most of your time in administration, mm-hmm. which is not what... You would leave work to say you want to play with Thomas. Thomas, I've just come back from work. Can we, can we go hang out? He was that. And from your hanging out, you kind of like, I would love to marry this guy. But now you're coming from one place of work to another place of work. So marriage now becomes like, you know, like you've got two places of work and you wonder, so what is this guy even doing? Why am I even here? So the same thing when kids come, they're coming from work to marriage, which is work, 
and you look at the kid as work, mm-hmm. it then becomes like mm. kids are work, marriage is work. It's better not to. You actually enjoy going out with the guys and playing mm-hmm. because they give you a sense. It's like that administration is taken off your back. You just yeah. get to, which is what marriage and kids are meant to be like. Of course, there's work, there are responsibilities, but that's meant to be the fun part of your life. Mm-hmm. The part you use to get away from work. Mm-hmm. So it's true. And it also boils down to who you spend most of your time with. If, you're, if your friends and the people around you are more administration focused and you never enjoy or deliberately just find time to do, she used to, she used, she used to complain a lot. You never take me out and I'll be like, I don't have money to take you out. <laughs> He's like, you know, but even just going to a park and we just sit in a park, that's okay for me. Mm-hmm. And society has put it in a way that everything we do has to cost money. Yeah. So, but playing, playing, playing ball with your kid in the yard doesn't cost money. Probably the only thing it costs you is buying oh. the ball. Mm-hmm. But we say, no, I cannot take my child on holiday. So you never get time to play with them because you can't afford to go on holiday. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. But in Africa, I mean, there are mountains everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Or parks. I mean, if you go to the States, there are parks everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't think you pay to walk in the park. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. decide, I'm going to walk in the park with my family on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when you get to appreciate, oh, so this is, this is what it's meant to be like. But if we don't deliberately just do that, well, then it becomes, like you say, just the responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like, mm-hmm. You know, I always imagine doing stuff with my kids. Exactly what I'm doing now. Like everything I'm working on now, I try to. And it's my way of practicing. I intentionally try to like I said, find a place for her. And sometimes I feel like she, she this is exa- exactly what is going to happen when we have a child. Like I'm going to have my son or my daughter in what I'm doing come interrupt me like that. And I have to create a space for them. If, if I'm unable to find a place for them in what I enjoy doing, even the most important thing to me, if I'm not able to carve a space for them, they are always going to come across as a nuisance. Yeah. <laughs> Why even bother me? <laughs> but I find that the moment, even if it's something little, mm-hmm. the moment I'm able to say that, okay, you're going to be here with me and this is what we are going to do. Then my eyes change to weaves. We are going to do we are going to do that yeah. you're going to help me do this you're going to help me do that and what I find is that not only does it um, save me the time but it actually improves our relationship and with time I realize that it gives me much more meaning to do the things that I even do Very true. yeah and I I, I anticipate that hopefully when we have a child I won't forget that <laughs> and yeah. I'll be able to say yeah, my kids are allowed into my space yeah. and I would be able to pass something on to them. I know it's difficult. It's always easier to say, say, say that. Then, then. Yeah. yeah, but I, I hope that I would get the wisdom from God to know how to balance it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm almost like that. I'm, I'm so focused on teaching my child skills. Like for me, I don't know. I'm just like skills. And then one day he asked me a question. He's like, how prepared are you if the child is not interested in what you're teaching mm-hmm. to them? What are you going to do? Because I'm always like, we're going to be playing basketball. We're going to be playing <laughs> soccer. We're going to be gardening. We're going to be knitting. We're going to be painting. And like, yeah, it's good, you know, to introduce them to all this. But then what if... They don't like it. They don't <laughs> like it. That's true. <laughs> How prepared are you to just be like, um, okay, you don't like it. And when do you then say, okay, no pressure. If you don't like it, stop. Because for me, I see it as a skill, which is something that I feel like it's going to benefit them in the future. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, and probably just going back to the Bible, Bible stories. You know, when, when Samson was born, how like the angel would come to and say, this is a Nazarite. Mm-hmm. And he's not, he's not supposed to cut his hair. When Jesus was born, the angel would appear. It has always been my prayer just to say, you know what, God, help us as parents to know what she's, what our child is meant to do. Mm-hmm. Because we should, we should never eliminate, you know, you know God is our advantage. And yeah. we should never eliminate him from all this. Because sometimes we do a lot of trial and error. And then when things are bad, we're like, God. <laughs> but you know, it can just be like, okay, so God, I'm, like she's saying, I, I want I want to introduce my daughter to all these things. But even as I'm introducing her to all these things, help me to pick out her behavior and to understand her interests. Yeah. You can be playing basketball with her. And while you are giving her the basketball to shoot, she keeps putting it down to kick. <laughs> It's not about saying, no, 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 no. You have to bounce it. You yes, know, you have to bounce it. of course you, you have to bounce it, but she's already showing you that. No, my interest, the field. my interest is in kicking. Yeah. So then you put it down. Okay, fine. Let's kick. And then you kind of see, does she just want to kick or does she want to run around? Or maybe you're trying to get her to kick and she's, she's there picking up stones. Then it's now about okay, God, can you give me the wisdom? How can we how can we play a game using stones? Stones. <laughs> what what is it that she's so I mean like I guess I guess if we're really observant, even about each other, yeah, there's certain behaviors that you can see, well, this person keeps doing this. Mm-hmm. They're probably but I guess we are always interested in getting what we want what? across. Yeah. No, yeah. put the stones down. We're playing <laughs> We're playing basketball. So I think I think it's it's also about yes, we 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 give them all these opportunities to to try and learn all these things. But as well just be prayerful, say, God, help me to notice the small things. Mm-hmm. Mm. He like he was saying, uh he like he loves having his nail nails cut. I mean <laughs> it's it's not like it's something you would have just like been Okay, I'm going to cut his nails. But now you know. So it's it's not like you can you can now just say, you know what? <laughs> go 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 to the spa and get your nails done. Because yeah. you know it's not it's not about him getting his nails done, but he wants them done by you. Yeah. So once you spot something, you then take advantage of it. So I think 
that's that's the wisdom we always pray for as parents as well just to kind of observe and learn from them because i've been reading this book um seven habits of highly effective people mm-hmm. yeah and there's something the way he was saying he had a kid and the child wasn't much into sports so they would go with the wife and they felt you know let's encourage, let's go to the sports games and encourage him and if anyone tried to bully him would always step in and encourage so they created this protective environment around the child till at some point they realized that the protective environment they were it wasn't actually helping the child because they never allowed the child to to fall or to fail they always tried yeah. to make sure so they decided you know what let's Let's give them space. We're not abandoned. We're just watching from a distance, but let's give them space. When we see they need our help, we step in. So after they did that, they realized also oh, the child started building up their self-confidence and being able to express themselves better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas they had been trying to push the child, be more proactive, speak up and people react in in different ways. And I think Sometimes the second child is always the hardest, I think. I'm yet to find out. Because you've done mm-hmm. something with the first. Mm-hmm. And it worked or did not work. Mm-hmm. Then the second child comes along. Either you're going to try and copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> or you're going to... But these are two different yeah. people. Also, yeah. how, do you, how do you also keep yourself evolving as a parent? Mm-hmm. To now say... I need I need to keep doing this. It worked for that one. But now I need to change and become this person to mm. this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it calls for a lot of wisdom. I call it it's 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 work. And I feel it's just like marriage. Marriage marriage changes you. You grow up. You yeah. you learn how to I'm still learning. You, know, you learn how to apologize. You learn how to think that you would not naturally learn. Mm-hmm. Being a parent, you learn how to evolve. You have to learn how to keep being a child. Mm-hmm. How did you, she call you? She wants you to play on the floor with her. Mm-hmm. You don't say, hey, I'm a grown-up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to keep being a child. After being a child, you have to step up and be a boss at work. Mm-hmm. After being a boss at work, you have to step up and be a father or a mother at home. And then when your child comes, you throw yourself on the floor again. <laughs> so it's like you become so many people and yeah. you have, and that's what you have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's a way of drawing out um, the best in you? I think so. Marriage has drawn out the best in you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, 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 had more, I've had more conflict since I got married than ever in my life because I always it's so it's so easy to avoid conflict with friends I can just decide I'm going to be quiet I can decide I won't talk to you um, but this is your wife she's in the same room with you and, and I mean think of your the setup you're describing where you live you ca- you cannot not have conflict <laughs> so now that you're going to have it you have to learn how to deal with it and I think I've improved which is the same with with kids and yeah you always learn a lot i think parenting it's it's a learning process recently we were talking about discipline like how to discipline a child 
and mm-hmm. you know how it's it's what was that question you say is it easier to discipline from emotion emotions or, or from principle or from principle or which most of us we discipline out of emotion because the minute they do something we react mm-hmm. and then they're about to touch your camera and it's <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's not really discipline and it's actually something that I've heard I'm learning to kind of control because I was more of the uh, kind of person <laughs> so now I'm still learning how not to discipline out of emotion but then mm. out of principle to really even try to make her understand like why am I saying this is wrong mm. and why am I punishing you for it yeah. which is also another interesting topic because you know People have different ways of disciplining kids. Beating or do you believe in time out? <laughs> or switching off the Wi-Fi. Switching I off mean, the Wi-Fi. <laughs> taking away a toy. <laughs> and you know that you've got yes. for you guys for you Not guys, you're you're, you're raising your child in a different environment if you're in the States. Um, yeah. because yeah. In the states, there's a lot of protection around children. If you spank your child, mm-hmm. they can go and report you to the police for abuse. Mm. <laughs> so how how do you handle? That's really an irony because I was hit as a child. Thomas, kind of like from the community, but he didn't he didn't really get hit like probably to the extent that I did. And I was in America. He was in Ghana. <laughs> But I had five brothers and sisters, oh, so we yeah. were fresh. So yeah. <laughs> we got beat. We got beat. I think yeah. it's, it's actually quite a very interesting and incredible. And who's going to be the one in charge of discipline? <laughs> the child. That's also another question. Yeah, because you, you know parents. how. But you know, I think kids, kids naturally. I don't know. They can pick it up. Kids naturally can pick it up, and I think as well, like when. Mothers already you you got you cannot you cannot pretend not to be nurturing because you already you already are yeah so on a daily basis that's what you that's the aroma you give out the default state it's just a default state you're naturally caring fathers we are we are there they feel we are there they feel our presence we come we do the crazy things throwing them in the air but they even know even when they are hungry. I feel I feel it's also a bond that comes from the uh, pregnancy, the breastfeeding. the breastfeeding. They already associate you with food, with mm-hmm. taking care of them. Mm-hmm. They associate us with playing mm-hmm. and doing the great. So already when when it's mommy, ah, when he's when you when the dad speaks, it's like oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it just naturally have just the roles just yeah, naturally they work together fit in but yeah like like you're saying you know i i it was i always used to think you know how even as parents when your child comes to you and says um may i have may i have ten dollars i need to do this parents usually would respond in anger where do you think money comes from i don't have money (laughs) right and i started thinking about it and then i realized that no the parents aren't really angry at you yeah 
but they're angry at themselves for not having the ten dollars to give you. Because naturally, as a parent, you want to give. Yeah. But because this person has come to you and has like added more stress onto yeah. you, yeah, you react that way because you're like, I should be able to do this, but I'm not. Yeah. So. I then noticed like we always put our emotions ahead as our response, mm-hmm. but that's not really our response. It's just a protection from how we really feel. Mm-hmm. Just like with, with, I can react angrily at her, not because I'm angry at her, but I'm just trying to protect something. So I use my emotions to, as a blockage of what I'm trying to protect. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to get hurt. So I, I pull protrude anger. Mm-hmm. So even with whips, I was like, you know, a child will always misbehave. But even in that misbehaving, I should know I'm not disciplining out of emotion. Yeah. Because when you then see a a child with scars on the back from a whip, no parent wants to see scars. Yeah. But when your emotions are in control, you don't see all that. You're just like, let it go. <laughs> then afterwards, you're like, oh. but it's, it's, it's a difficult process. But it's like we we're saying, it, it, it's, very, it's a conscious effort of saying, this is how I want to do things. Or this is how I want to try and sometimes with help, you're like, okay, God, if we have an argument or she does something that I don't like, I'm going to tell her. Then she does it. Now the time to tell her comes. <laughs> Start fighting myself. Oh, but Jeremy, you said you're going to tell her. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you see, there's the, there's, the per- there's the perfect picture you have of what you want to do. Yeah. Then there's the, reality. there's the reality. But it's always good to have the perfect picture because it always gives you a measuring point. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. perfect picture is not to say you're going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But when you do something contrary, you know, but this is not what I want mm-hmm. to do. But if you don't know what you want to do, what you're doing seems like it's okay because you've got no measuring stick of discipline or how you want to raise your child. Mm -hmm. So if you have that measuring stick, even if you're somewhere else, you always know this is what I'm trying to get, get to. And yeah. And I think it's also important for the kids to understand, um, I'll call it your mode of operation. If it's not clear to them after living with you for for months, like I don't sometimes that just beats me. And sometimes like I don't get it. I don't I can understand how mom and dad respond to me. So it, it, it leaves them confused. And I think children are more likely not to tell you things, not to communicate with you when they don't understand how you're operating with them. You know, we are relational beings. We go to countries and we know how those countries operate and we just fall in line. <laughs> we don't find it so hard. We deal with visa issues here in yeah. China. We just fall in line. We don't, you know, worry and complain and just throw tantrum. Why is it like this? Why can't it be like my country? Because they've spelled it out. This yeah. is what you need to do. Go to this office and... You just follow, even when you're not enjoying it. It makes it easier for you to bear the load. So I think it makes it easier for children to learn the way of discipline. Even when discipline doesn't sound sweet to them, 
And why? Why do you have to discipline me? But they are able to learn through it to, in time, see the value of discipline to know that, oh, yeah, daddy does this because of that. And sometimes kids, even when they do, mis- they do commit mistakes or errors, when they know they're going to be beaten, this is how they come. They stretch their, their, their hands. <laughs> like, you know, dude, Just when you bug them. I've seen kids do that. Daddy catches them stealing milk from the fridge and they go on their knees. I'm sorry, daddy. And they stretch their hands and they're waiting to be beaten. And that's so good because it's like you, it's you like communicated this. something to the kid, daddy not just the punishment. Yeah. So at that point, perhaps you can show more maybe forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I forgive you this time. You do know what will happen next, next time. time. What next time? Yeah. And then it's like, it stays with them and they understand the value of discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember my, my mom used the eye. <laughs> if you, if you just meet the eye, then you know, okay, <laughs> I'm misbehaving. I need to, do. you know how kids are, especially when they're visitors. That's when you just, you just start going wild. My mom used to have this eye. And the minute you just see that eye, <laughs> you just go to the bedroom, start praying that mm, I hope I won't get beaten. Stimulus response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, sometimes you meet, you meet people in life who their first reaction is always physical. Mm. If, you, if you hurt them or do anything, it's always, that's the first protective mechanism. And I feel it also boils down to, because people associate um, responses to different things. If you do this and I hit you, that means if anyone does something I don't like, for me to stop them from doing it, I have to hit the person. Mm -hmm. So is that we generally people don't know how to communicate their feelings, like to stop someone and tell them, no, I don't. Don't do this because of this. If you keep doing this, there will be a punishment. Mm. Yeah. Like the, the the whipping should next time if you if they do do something and the, your first reaction is to they know I've been told that if I do this, mm-hmm. then this will happen. Yeah. So now I avoid doing this because of this. And I was also thinking, you know, like how you're told, um, don't come late mm-hmm. at home. I feel it's it's not about not coming late at home. But about someone finding how we can teach kids to know every place has its rules. When you're living alone in your own house, mm-hmm. you can come whatever time you want. Yeah. It's not to say when you're now alone, you cannot come late because coming late is bad. Mm-hmm. That's it's one, it's safety. It's about safety. Two, you're under someone's roof. You're under my roof. And under my roof, there are rules. When you're working at someone's workplace they'll tell you to come at eight the same way i'm telling you to come at this time because you're under my roof and you're under my care yeah so if you really notice all the rules should we should be able to try somehow and hope our kids understand to apply them to real life Mm -hmm. this is because of this you cannot take without asking that's stealing and if you steal in life you go to jail (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, yeah. find, you find you'll go to grandma's house and she'll see something and take and you find it at home where'd you get this I took it from grandma's house does she know no mm-hmm. I just took it 
Mm-hmm. And then later on in life, she's taking something from work. Mm-hmm. And she's taking something from the shop. Mm-hmm. Simply because we never told them that taking something from someone without asking is, cool. is wrong. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. It's 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 training, but I think it's it. I think it's good training, because you you learn from your marriage. Something I've learned: you learn from your marriage, you learn from being a parent. You take those skills to your career, because mm. that's where they work. In your career, you have to learn to forgive quickly. Yeah, you have to learn to teach. You can't. I can't come to you and you just tell me, set up. How do I set up this thing? Mm. Mm-hmm. She's helping you. Yes, you're you signing her to do something. But at the end of the day, it's your... She if she wasn't there, you'd still do it. So you have to be able to guide her on how to do it. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, do this. Have you done it? <laughs> <laughs> you never taught me yes. how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so if I, it, it, it all comes down at the end of the day. It builds you up as a person. If you, if you decide to learn from each experience, Mm-hmm. You can you can always sit down and say from all the conflicts I've had in my marriage, what can I learn about them as a person? Mm-hmm. Like marriage aside, just as me as an individual, what can I learn from? Me? Then you then realize, oh, so I, I guess, I should be more forgiving. Mm-hmm. You can now be forgiving at church, at work, so it all just becomes one big. Circle, but we can go on and on all night. That is so good. I like that. I, I, this is what I got from it, which is that raising up a child should be, you know, the, you should see beyond the home. Yeah. You should raise a child not just for your home. You should raise a child for the community, for the life that is ahead of them, yeah. for the mothers and the fathers that they are also going to be. Yeah. And that is. True, it's good. Mm. Yeah. I feel like you led us smooth, smoothly into an end because we usually do takeaways at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that was a takeaway, I think. That was a double. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like Jeremy said, we could go on and on. And on. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting one. Mm. So you don't have any, any other questions relating to... I mean, I could probably pose an endless amount of questions, <laughs> but maybe it's enough for now. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I could. I do want to know your final thoughts. So if there's like some final piece of advice, you can reiterate something that you already said, or you can share something new, but just that last, you know, encouragement or advice or exhortation, whatever you think you want to share. Uh-uh. You're good at this. And what concluding? Yes. Dollar. <laughs> I think something I will, yeah, just one. Everything, everything is, is what, what you make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, people, there's a state, someone would say grass is green on the other side. But people, someone changed, I'm not sure, I don't remember who it was exactly. They just said grass is greener where it's watered. <laughs> so it's not about it being on the other side. If you went to the other side and you stopped watering it, it would be the same. Yeah. Yeah. So your your marriage, your family, your life, it's only as green as the investment you you put into it. Mm-hmm. And let's just say, let's just involve God 
mm. in every part of our life. Mm. He's not just the spiritual being mm. that just wants us just righteousness, holiness. All that is part of it's part of your marriage. It's part of your having fun in life. It's part of your raising your kids. He's there everywhere. You can even involve him in choosing a gift for a birthday. I mean, God is everywhere. So, and kids are kids are amazing. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Signed, sealed. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we we find time to do this before you guys. Yeah, me too. Thanks for yeah. having us. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for coming over. Asia was out. You know, Jeremy, you and I plan to do.